Hello and welcome to this message from the room. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. We're going to be in several books today of the Bible. Don't let that alarm you. I'm not going to preach all of the parts of all of them, but we're going to take parts of some of them, and uh, we're going to walk through a little journey together. And so through several books of the Bible, beginning in Exodus, we're going to look at Exodus, we're going to look at Numbers, we're going to also look at Joshua today. And so just kind of get yourself there, and you can follow along with me, of course, in the Word. I believe that God is trying to take us on a path. And I think that I love the story of the Exodus because the Exodus and just the journey from the Exodus to the Promised Land is such an awesome transitional point in the lives of the Jewish people. And I think that when we walk through transition, it just comes alive to me. We, when we're walking through transitional times, you go to transitional places in the Bible and you see how God worked with people as they journeyed through those transitions. And I certainly think that... Many of the things that we're going to share today and possibly even some next week are things that, that really correlate to where we are in our journey here. And so I know that many of you in here have faced discouragement. Many of you have been facing some disappointment. You've faced frustration. You've faced heaviness even because you've communicated that to me. And I, and I, and I felt those things as well. And, and so I think that it's important for us when we feel those things that we recognize that we take authority over that. We find some truth in God's word concerning that and, and we move forward. And so that's where we are today. And I think the question for many of us when we feel that heaviness is what are we going to do about it? Are we going to wallow in that heaviness? Are we going to just stay in that place? Or are we going to take authority and move forward in the authority of Christ and move on into the promise that he has given each and every one of us? God has called all of us to be a part of that Joshua generation. That Joshua generation. We're not destined to die in the wilderness. Amen? We're not destined to fall short of God's promise. We're not destined to come so far yet not attain the promise that stands before us. We're a part of that generation that makes it all the way through and steps over into the promised land and not only steps foot in the promised land but actually possesses it for the kingdom of God. That's who we are this morning. Amen? And so that's what I want to talk to you about today because I believe that we are all called to be a part of that people that inherit the promise of God. I don't want to forfeit His promise because of frustration. I don't want to forfeit His promise because of heaviness or discouragement or disappointment or anything else that you can come up with. None of those things are worth losing what God has in store for His people. I know nobody in this room wants that either. And so this morning I want you to help me pray as I preach to you a Joshua generation. Will you pray? Father, we thank you today, God, for your presence. We ask that you would just be with us in the remainder of this service. That, Lord, as I communicate your word this morning, that you would help me to expound on it, that you would help me to clarify it, that you would help me to place principles before your people that allows us to live above the difficulties and the, and the, uh, the, the conflicts of this life, God, the, the troubles of this life, that we rise above it and we set ourselves apart as your chosen people, Lord. 
I ask that you would help me, Lord Jesus, in every facet of this service to do the very best that I can for your kingdom, to honor you in all that I say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start this morning with Exodus. If you'll start with me at chapter 12 and beginning in verse 31. I want to start there. And just like I said, we're going to be journeying through several scriptures in the Bible. I'm going to give you a ton of scripture today. And so if you have your Bible, you want to write some of these things down, maybe highlight some of these things, I think it will be good for you to be able to go back and look some of these things over. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 31 says, Then he, speaking of Pharaoh, called for Moses and Aaron by night. Here's what's happened so far is... uh, Moses comes to Pharaoh and he says, look, you're going to have to let my people go. I'm not staying here. We're not staying here. God's called us to do something different and we're not going to be your slaves anymore. That right there ought to be enough to motivate some people in the house today. I've had enough of this and I ain't taking it anymore. And I've come to tell you, I've come to serve notice this morning that this is the end of my labor. This is the end of my journey. This is the end of my bondage. This is the end of my enslavement and I'm not taking that anymore. And so he comes and he says, look, you're going to let my people go and if you don't, God's going to step in and make you let me go. And so God, of course, because of Pharaoh's hardness of heart, And his unwillingness to let the people of God go, God sends plagues upon Egypt. And the final plague was the firstborn uh, son of the household, the firstborn of the household dying. And finally this brought Pharaoh to the point of surrender. And he calls for Moses and he finally says go. And so that's where we are here in verse 31. He says, then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Get out of here. I've had it. I'm done. I want you to go. The Joshua generation understands that deliverance does not equal freedom. Listen to me this morning. Deliverance does not always equal freedom. You know, freedom is often missed in the lives of believers because we are unwilling to separate. He says right here in this verse, Rise and go out from among my people. If Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel really want to be free, not only do they have to to, to make that known and declare that, but they have to separate from from the problems. Many of us in life don't find the freedom that we're looking for because we actually don't separate from the trouble that we're surrounded by. We just stay in the same old situation. God does the delivering work. God works a miracle in our lives. But we don't stay free because we don't walk away from the things that caused us bondage in the first place. If Moses and Aaron had stayed, the next day they would have been captives again. We see that later on in the text. That they changed their mind in the morning. And he's actually going to pursue them to bring them back. The enemy's going to pursue you too to bring you back into bondage. But I'm just saying, if we don't ever walk away from it in the first place, we make his job very easy. We make his job very simple. And so many of us, we, we, we come into the altar and we get delivered from whatever it is. Confusion, worry, stress, people, relationships, bad relationships. And then we don't leave those things. We pick them up with us and we take them right with us. And so, yes, God has done His work. Jesus has done His work. He has actually delivered us, but we are not free because we carry it with us and we're unwilling to let go. The children of Israel are now delivered. They're free to go. They're delivered in that sense. But as we journey on with them, we're going to find out that deliverance does not equal freedom in their lives. 
So the first point I want to make to you this morning is the Joshua generation has learned how to be delivered and free. The generation before, the Moses generation, if you will, I don't like to use that term because certainly Moses would not fit into the, the crowd of his generation. He was a cut above. He was, he was unique in that. And so to attach him to that group, I think, is an injustice on his part. But the, but the generation before Joshua, the one that wandered through the wilderness, was a generation that never understood what it was like to be free. They understood what it was like to be delivered. They understood what it was like not to be captive not to be a slave, but they never understood what it was like to truly be free. The Joshua generation was the generation that understood both. We have been delivered and we have been set free. Let's look at Exodus 14 now. Go ahead and turn a couple of chapters over in verse 11. And this is what I'm talking about when I say the generation before Joshua's generation did not understand what it meant to be free. They said to Moses, verse 11, Because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Can you imagine that idea there that's permeating the minds of the people of Israel? Are are you kidding me? If I was Moses, I'd be like, are you kidding me? You would rather be a slave in Egypt than to be free out here? Yeah, things aren't great. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we don't have the things we want to eat. Sometimes we don't have the things we want to drink. Sometimes we don't have everything that we just would like to have. But are you kidding me that you would rather trade just the struggle for bondage? They were institutionalized. They didn't know how to be anything but slaves. And we see that in verse 11. Let me read on verse 12. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Oh, no, it's not. I would rather die in the wilderness than to be somebody's puppet. I would rather be, a, uh, be dead, wandering, struggling in the wilderness than to be somebody else's slave. And so many times we as Christians, we fall into the same mindset. We fall into the same situation. Well, things may not be perfect. Things may not be lining up for you exactly how you would like for them to line up. But it's better that you are saved and you are delivered than to be in bondage to the enemy. I didn't struggle like this, Pastor, when I was a sinner. No, you didn't. But you were a slave to the devil. And I don't want to be anybody's slave, much less the devil's slave. They had this mindset and they're struggling with it. And and this is the speech of of the delivered but not the free. This is how people that have been delivered talk but they have not understood freedom. People that although no longer physically restrained, they remain captive in their minds and in their hearts. And I I just, it's like this. It's one thing for me to be let go, and it's another entirely for me to let go. It's one thing for me to be let go of. You know, I, I think that when we come into the altars, I think... I think every time we come into the altars with sincere hearts and with a desire to approach the throne of God and to really seek Him, that God unfailing 
lets us free, sets us, sets us delivered. He puts us in a path of deliverance. I, I have no doubt about that. I think Jesus has already done all the work at Calvary's cross for us to secure every victory that we could ever want in our lives. And so when we come into these altars and we ask for His deliverance, He gives it to us. But the problem that we don't, that we don't experience that deliverance oftentimes is not because the thing hasn't let go of us, it's because we haven't let go of the thing. And we're still holding on to some of the mindset. We're still holding on to some of the struggle. We're still holding on to the same experiences. And we're holding on to a lot of junk that has us bound because we are not willing to let go of the thing that has been forced to let go of us. I think, you know, when we, face, when we look at sin and we look at addiction and we look at uh, even relationships oftentimes, we don't get free from that stuff because we don't separate ourselves properly from it. You know, I ask God to forgive me and then if I go back into the same environment that I've always been in, I'm just going to go right back into the same mess that I've always been in. We have to separate. We have to let go of some of those things. We have to walk away from some of that stuff and that's our responsibility. There is a walking out process that has to take place in the life of the believer. There is a walking out process that has to take place in the lives of everybody in this room if we're going to truly experience not only deliverance but the freedom that comes with that. We have been set free but oftentimes refuse just to walk in that freedom. Here's the deal. I think that what makes us able to be delivered is that Jesus had to die. We know that. For us to find deliverance, Jesus had to die on the cross. He had to go and he had to march up Golgotha's hill. He had, to, he had to face the grave. He had to deal with all that stuff. And, and because he did that, we can be delivered. But for us to be free, there's some things that has to die in us. Jesus died to give us deliverance, but there's some things in us that have to die for us to really find freedom. And so many times, that's where it stops. God has delivered me. I believe that, Pastor, but I'm not experiencing that in my life. That's because you haven't walked away from the very things that have had you bound for all these years. We pray and we pray and we pray for, for people. And, and, I, and look, here's, here's what I believe. I say you ride the altar until you get the victory. I believe in that. So I'm not minimizing for you coming back and forth for the same things. So you, you've got to do that. Sometimes it's a process of just going after God before those things let you, let you free. So I'm not... I'm not criticizing that in in any shape or form whatsoever. But what I am saying is that sometimes it's just a matter of us making some different decisions. Sometimes it's just a matter of us deciding that we want to do something different for our lives and not trying to do the same things and wondering why God hasn't showed up in our circumstance. We are a generation of people that God has called to inherit the promise of God. He has not called us to wander around in the wilderness of life wondering if we're going to have enough to exist, hoping that he'll, we'll find a crumb here and there, we'll find a drink of water here and there. No, God has called us to more. And so many people live way below the standard that God has for their lives. They live way below the, the intention of God's heart for you and for me. Why? Because we're not moving away from the things that have held us bound for so many years. Verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 13 says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, 
You shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. This is the point in the, in the, in the passage. The Exodus journey where they're away. They, they've, they've made a break for it. They're running. They're trying to get away from the Egyptians. And now Pharaoh's changed his mind. He's coming after them. And they turn around and because they don't know anything but how to be slaves, they see those Egyptians coming and they just see their lives going back to the same mess that it was before. And they're crying out to Moses, Moses, what are you going to do about this situation? Moses says, look, you just need to calm down. You need to relax. You need to chill. God's brought us all this way and he's not going to bring us into more bondage. He is going to fight for us if we will just stand still. Listen. God is fighting for you this morning. God is fighting on your behalf. God is fighting on behalf of everybody in this room. He is for you, not against you. He, he, is, he has your back. He has your best interest. He has in store all the things that you have need of for your life and for your current situation. God has all of those things for you. And He is fighting for you. But I think it's interesting what he says in verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why are, you, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And I think that sometimes God's graceful and loving and so long-suffering with us. But I think sometimes God just wants to say to us, why are you crying to me? I have delivered you. I have, I have set you free from the bondage that has, has plagued your life. And all I need from you is just for you to get up and go forward. Just to get up and move forward. Do something different with your life that brings about different results. Go forward. Let go of anything that you're holding on to that is keeping you from experiencing the freedom of God. Not only experience the deliverance of the Lord, but you also have to experience the freedom of the Lord. To experience the freedom, you've got to let go and you've got to walk in it. You've got to walk in it. Well, I don't know how this is going to work out, Pastor. I know. The, the, the people there in that situation, they didn't know how it was going to work out. But they knew who was in control. Moses at least knew who was in control. And Moses is telling them, look... I know all you are freaking out, but if you'll just look at God and trust in God, God's going to work it out. He's brought us this far. He's not going to abandon us now. God has brought you as far as God has brought you, and He's not going to abandon you now. Hear me this morning. Some of you are struggling. Some of you are facing some, some frustration and disappointment and discouragement. But I'm telling you today that God has not brought you to the point that He has brought you to walk out on you now. He is here to bring you through to the end. And no enemy is greater than Him. No weapon formed against you today is going to prosper. God has made a way of escape for each and every one of us and He will bring it to completion. And I think, you know, finding that freedom. I love Acts, Acts 17, 28. It says, for in Him we live and move and have our being. That's where you experience the freedom of God. Is when we start living in Him and moving in Him and having our existence in Him. When He becomes the person that we are most bound to, that we are most tied to, that we are most entrenched with then we can find freedom in Him. Galatians 5.1 says Christ has set us free to live a free life. Christ set us free so that we can live a free life. 
Not that we can live a bound life. And there are lots of Christians today. There are Christians in this house. And there are, even in me, in certain aspects of my life, I fall short too. We all do. That we have been set free, but yet we choose not to live in the full freedom that Christ has given us. You know, and I've said this many times, that I have major anxiety issues. I mean, I struggle with that big time. I mean, my, I get nervous about speaking. I get nervous about being in front of people. I mean, these are, I mean, to the point that I have panic attacks. I mean, crippling panic attacks. And I think that that's an area that God has set me free in. I believe He's delivered me from that. I'm, I'm up here doing this. But I would say, I would go as far as that I'm not completely set free from that area in my life. I still struggle with that from time to time. There's times when I promise you the feelings that I feel are overwhelming to the point that I I have to pray through to even find the anointing and the power to do what I do. Some of that I think keeps us humble, yes. But then I think sometimes it's just me not fully letting go and trusting God in some areas of my life. And we all do that. I'm using myself as an example because I think we can all relate to that in some areas of our lives. Whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, whether it's just your disposition towards life. Some of us, we don't choose the joy of the Lord. That's not living in His freedom. You know, our disposition is poor. And we've got we've to make sure that we are presenting what we truly believe is the truth. And if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then I ought to have some joy in my life. Amen? The Joshua generation knows how to not only be delivered, but also how to be free. We are that generation of people. We are a people that God has not called just to bring us out of bondage, but to make us free. And I don't want to see in our church and in, in the life of any Christian that although they're going to make it to heaven, they live a miserable existence on this earth. I believe God's called us to more than that. I don't believe that we are a people that God has called just to live in the uh, arena of just enough, but to live in the arena of more than enough, to rise above the circumstances that we face and to live above just what is average and what is normal. We are exceptional this morning because we serve an exceptional God. Look with me now to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5 verse 4. It says, All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Now everybody with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness that came out of Egypt, every one of them. And so, so what we have is a completely new generation of people that had not been a part of the Egyptian bondage for the most part. For the children of Israel, verse 6, uh, of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. My second point that I want to make this morning is that the Joshua generation will inherit the promise. The generation before them forfeited the promise. They, 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 they passed off the promise. They forfeited the promise. They let discouragement, they let defeatism, 
They let deception keep them from the promise that God intended for them. It says here in this verse, if you read it again, it says, to whom the Lord swore that he would show them, he was going to give them this land. He had promised them this land. They, they, they wandered for 40 years. It's not that long of a journey to get to the promised land, but it took 40 years for the wrong thinking and the wrong mindset and the wrong people to get out of the way so that God could put the right people with the right mindset to do what He wanted done. God, I don't want to be a person that hinders what You're doing because I can't change my stinking thinking. I don't want to be a person that limits your activity in my life because I can't get past something. I can't get over something. I can't get beyond something. You've got to let some things go. I've got to let some things go if we're going to be that people that take that promise. For 40 years, they're wandering around. But it's this next generation that inherits the promise. The generation before forfeited it. They let discouragement, like I said. They let defeatism. They let deception. All of those things keep them from the promise. They forfeited the promise because even though they were no longer in Egypt, too much Egypt remained in them. And the problem with a lot of us in church, and, and I'm, I'm in the group now. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us this morning. A lot of our problem is that we've let too much of the world get in us and we're not able to do the things that God has called us to do because we got too much world in us. we got too much of the way the world handles situations and the way the world deals with stuff. And, and we're letting those things drive us when in reality we need to go with God and His plan. The promise is the inheritance we are to receive in this life, but also in the next. Verse 6 says, He would not, God said, I will not show them the land which I had swore to their fathers, but He was going to give it to the next generation, that land flowing with milk and honey. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Let's look there. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Everybody has a Jordan. That Jordan is that barrier between the wilderness and the promised land. And many of us come up to the Jordan over and over and over again. I can't tell you. I don't know. I'm sure that there's some, uh, there's some study on this. But I would like to know how many times the people of Israel walked close to the Jordan but didn't cross it. Because I'll bet you in 40 years there were many times of their wandering that they came real near the promise and almost had a breakthrough to the promise but fell short of actually crossing over and accomplishing what God has for them. We know there was at least once and there was probably many more. How many times in our own lives do we come up to the Jordan River of our own situation, the thing that barriers us from the next level living in our lives, the next step that we need to take. And we walk up to that, we look at it, and we think that's too daunting, that's too big, that's too huge. There's no way I'm going to cross over and try to conquer that because this barrier in my life is just too massive for me. And we fall short. And instead of choosing a life of blessing, a life of promise, we choose a life of just existence. For some of us, the barrier could just be organizing our lives. For some of us, the barrier is just the way we think about life. For some of us, the barrier is people that are bad influences on our direction and and hinder us from really moving forward with God. 
For some of us, it's, it's other things. It's addictions. It's, it's trouble. It's struggles. It's, it's this, that, and the other. I mean, the list goes on. You're really, your Jordan can be anything, anything that keeps you from the promise of God. And all of us have at least one, probably many. And over and over again, we come up to this point and we have this decision that we must make. And instead of choosing to go ahead and do the hard thing and what may be the difficult thing and what may be the thing that sets us free and moves us into the promise, we choose to to step away from it, to walk away from it, and to go back to the way things were. Verse 3. Every, he says this, Verse 2, let's look at verse 2. My servant is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to, giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you. All the days of your life, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you, and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. The promise has been given to us as his people. He says, everywhere you put your foot, I'm giving it to you. Earlier when we were talking about walking in freedom, does that not correlate? Walking in the freedom of God, walking in the experience of God. God says, I've given you this, now go walk in it. Because there is no claiming without putting your foot on it. There is no no victory that comes without taking those steps toward victory and in victory. The Joshua generation was not only given the promise, but they learned how to obtain the promise. Every child of God is given the promise. But not every child of God obtains the promise. Every one of us has the same Bible with the same scriptures and the same promises in it. But many of us don't experience those promises. Why? Because we stop at the Jordan, we don't cross over, we don't walk into the thing that God has called us to walk in, and we don't put our foot where we can claim the territory that God has given us. We are given the opportunity... Here at this church, I believe this with everything that's in me. I've said it from the day that I came as your pastor. God has given this city into our hands. It it is our city. This is our town. This is is our people. And God has put us here to be a lighthouse, to be a beacon of hope, and to be a place that reaches the lives of people in Burnett. I believe that with all that is in me. That is part of the promise that God has given us. Not only that as a corporate, but individually. You have been given promises that we have yet to obtain and yet to grab hold of. April and I, we share oftentimes about the promises that we feel like God's spoken into our lives. And we oftentimes get very discouraged because we haven't seen some of them yet. But if we get focused on the discouragement and not keep our eyes on the promise, we're never going to get there. You've got to keep on keeping on sometimes to get to the place that God has called you to be. Don't lose heart in the midst of it. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. We are called and we are destined to inherit the blessings of God in our lives. We have obtained an inheritance as saints 
Some of it, listen, some of it we have to, we have to keep eternally minded in this. Because not everything that's promised to us we get in this life. Some of those promises are not realized to the next life. Some of those problems are not, promises are not experienced uh, until the next life. And, and I, I just believe that, and I know this for myself, I'll frustrate myself concerning my earthly inheritance if I don't put my focus and realize that most of it is really coming to me in the next life. I can get very discouraged at times because I see the things that God wants to do and I, and I believe the things that God wants to do and I believe that we have uh, you know, not grown weary and well-doing and He says that if we don't grow weary and well-doing we'll, we'll reap in due season if we do not faint. And oftentimes I said, April, are we ever going to have a due season? I mean, are we going to ever come into that place where we're really experiencing the harvest that God has promised us? But sometimes that harvest doesn't come in this life. Sometimes the, the faithfulness of this life only puts us in a good position for the next. It puts us in a good place for the next. And I just think that sometimes we let frustration rob us even of the blessings and the experiences that we can have in this life because we're wanting something that has not yet come. And I can get so future-minded that I've refused to live in the present. If I could just get to this point, then I'd be happy. If I could just get here, I'd be, be happy. We get destination-minded, and we forget the process. We forget the journey. We forget all the blessings that are right here in front of us. This life is a gauge of your faithfulness so God knows the portion of the inheritance that belongs to you in the next. This, this life is a gauge of your faithfulness, your stewardship so that God knows what belongs to you in the next. Frustration and reactions in this life can cause forfeiture in the next too. Moses is a prime example of this. And, and I won't read it to you just because of time's sake. But if you want to look at it, Numbers chapter 20, verses 2 through 12. It talks about an experience that Moses had where he had been dragging these people through the wilderness for 40 years. He's frustrated. He has a right to be frustrated. Every, every time they run short on water, every time they run short on food, the first thing they start talking about is, boy, I wish we could just go back to Egypt. There was pots of meat there. They had vegetables. They, it was a great life back in Egypt. If I was their pastor, I'd be frustrated too. If I was their shepherd, I'd be ready to take that rod that God gave me and take some people out with it. So I get his frustration level. It's got to be through the roof. And so he's, he's out there and they're griping again because of water. God has provided for them water every time they need it. Every time. And if you can't learn that in 40 years, you're not going to learn it. It's just not going to soak in. And so finally God says, look God, here we are again at this point where we need water. They're all crying to me. And, and God says to him, you know, speak to the rock. Because there's a rock that... Every time they needed water, he would strike the rock with a rod. And in this particular situation, God says, just speak to the rock. And water's going to come forth. They're, they're nearing the point where they're about to cross over. And, and so the way that they have existed in the, in, the, in the desert at this particular point is no longer sufficient to keep them moving forward into their destiny. And so he says, speak to the rock. And the people, just they never shut up. They just keep on. Moses finally positions himself with the rock and instead of speaking to it like God says, he takes that rod out of frustration and he hits that rock and he not only hits it once, he hits it twice. 
frustration drove him to do something that God commanded him not to do. Frustration drove him to the point to do some things that had he not been driven by frustration and reaction, he would have never done. And because of it, God says, you're not going to get to walk in the promised land. You disobeyed me. You're not going to walk in it. And I think one of the saddest points in Moses' story, Moses' life, is that God, in His grace, takes him to the top of a rock and lets him look over into the valley and lets him see the promised land. He at least lets him see it. But Moses, who has journeyed and labored and worked and done everything that he can do to get these people to this point where they're finally ready to cross that Jordan River, is not himself going to get to walk in that promise. And I just say that to everybody in the room because I think that we can really frustrate ourselves to the point that we forfeit a lot of promises that God has given us. We can let people frustrate us. We can let circumstances frustrate us. We can let our situation and our, just, our, just our lives in general frustrate us to the point that instead of speaking to the rock about our circumstance, we strike that rock and we really curse the very thing that God's trying to do in our lives. And so I'm saying to you today, don't let frustration drive you. We all get frustrated. There's not a person in this room that doesn't. And there's not a person that probably deals with frustration more than the guy you're looking at right here on the stage because I live at a high level of frustration just because that's the way I'm wired. And that's something that i got to get under the blood, and I know that. And I don't want to forfeit anything that God's trying to do in my life, and I don't want you to forfeit anything God's trying to do in your life because you let frustration get the best of you. It's really a choice. It really boils down to being a choice. Yes, people can provoke us. Circumstances can provoke us. And things can drive us to do some things we wouldn't do. But the end is our choice. And we have to make the right choice in those moments. We have been given the opportunity and the privilege to inherit the promise of God. Joshua 6 and 1 says, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. This is right when they cross the Jordan and they're about to start possessing the promised land. None went out, none came in, and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. God has given it into your hand. He's already done the work. He's already prepared the blessing for you. He's already prepared the promise. It is our job to go and obtain the promise. Not only the promise in this life, but the promise in the next. And I believe that we are the generation, I do believe this with all my heart, that we are the generation that will see the return of Jesus Christ. I think we'll see it. I will see Him return. I, I believe that with all my being. We don't want anything to keep us from being ready to receive Him when He comes. Amen. Would you stand with me? Amber, would you come? I'm going to stop there this morning and then I'm going to pick up some of these thoughts as we move forward and I'm going to talk about some giants that we have to defeat in moving forward and possessing the promise that God has for us. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, 
please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burgrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after it. Till I found myself face down on your shore. You say, come to me.